Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard My exes live in Texas. It's Eric Roberts is the fucking man redux, the world's most beloved Eric Roberts related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly and joining me as usual is my friend in low places, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? Uh, you know, Doug, it's it's a awesome day to be alive. Yeah, is it? It's no. almost it's getting into <laughs> fall. It's getting into the fall. And I know how much. Oh, no, wait, you love the sun. So it's probably uh, not such a great time for you. Well, here's here's the deal, Doug. If I lived in, if I lived in one of these places that was warm all the time, then the fall would be nice. It's like a nice break from the summer, and it's finally cooling off, and blah 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 blah. But like the feeling I used to have on the Northeast is even worse here in Chicago, where um, fall lasts like three weeks, and then it'll start snowing. I mean, it's it, it might snow on Halloween here, yeah. you know. So mm-hmm. like that's not a good thing. That's a bad thing. And I, you know, I can kind of fake the funk till Christmas that like life has meaning, and I don't want to give up. But once Christmas happens, I'm basically sad until summer. So it's you know, it's I'm I'm not stoked. On the other hand, I do love Halloween, so I'm a little stoked on Halloween. Liam, you know, I'm from Newfoundland. I mention it basically every episode of every, every show episode, that we do. Yeah. Um, you know, in Newfoundland, it's very common in the local vernacular with that accent to call it Chicago instead of Chicago. What do you think about that? I mean, I don't – I can't judge accents, Doug, because mm-hmm. I just feel like I'm in Chicago, which has one of the more comical accents. I'm originally from Philly, which if you hear – a lot of people in Philly just sound like TV – but the people who have the true Philly slash Delco accent, it's a horror show. It's, you know, they call it hoagie mouth for a reason. They, they call it hoagie mouth? Yeah. The, 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 the local term for someone who has a really thick, actual old school Philly accent is hoagie mouth. And interestingly, um, the, the, there's, a, there's a center for the study of language at uh, the University of Pennsylvania in West Philly. And the reason they found it there is they found that in America, the most complicated and diverse local dialect is the Philadelphia accent, which they found significant differences by neighborhood in Philadelphia, which is psychotic because it's not that big of a city. Hmm. But it's anyway, all going away now because of gentrification. Oh, she's pretty good, well, though. Thank you for asking. I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. How about your daughter? Oh, she's a beautiful little angel. And Shut I up. Think, <laughs> I, I knew you were going to do it. <laughs> Our guest today is a writer and co-host of the Carnage Report podcast on the Cinebunks Network. It's Julie Holland. How are you doing today, Julie? I'm great. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. My understanding is that you don't know or care that much about Eric Roberts, the beloved actor. I, I wouldn't say I don't care. It's more that I don't. I just don't know. Like, I could pick him out of a lineup, but I don't follow his work like you guys do. I have a vague awareness of him, a vague thought that maybe he's related to Julia Roberts. If my Google alerts are anything to go by, the fact that he's related to Julia Roberts is a very important fact about Eric Roberts. The other one, <laughs> he's the father of Emma Roberts, who is apparently an actress that some people are aware of. Uh, so, so far, that's what we know about Eric Roberts. Also, that he is a very prolific actor. Julie, do you remember the first time you have ever heard of Eric Roberts? And it's okay to say, when I messaged you to say, would you like to be on an Eric Roberts <laughs> podcast? <laughs> well- 
That is definitely not the answer. I, I've definitely heard of him before. And like I said, it's just like a vague awareness. So I don't know when I first heard of him. I just, it's like, he's like a cloud. Sometimes he's there and sometimes he's not. And I just know he, he could be in anything at any time. It's true. It's like the insane clown posse said. He's just there in the air. And that's good. Yeah. It's good to know that Eric... I mean, it actually is a comforting thing, legitimately, for me to know that Eric Roberts is out there making movies. Now, can you think... Just, just you know, I understand that your original awareness might be just one of those things where it's hard to pin down. Is there a movie that you think of when you think of Eric Roberts being an actor in a movie? There isn't. And, you know, I tried to go and look at his list to see if anything jumped out at me. And the list is too long. Yes. So I couldn't, I was like, I can't go through all this. I don't, I'm sure there's something, but it was so long. And the, and the top of it is all things that haven't even come out yet. Yes. Or it may may never come out. Yeah. The scroll (laughs) to even get to the things that exist. It was a lot, but yeah. So I, I, I'm really coming in pretty clean. Well, I mean, the thing is we've already taught you something and I don't want to, uh, toot our own horn, but now you do have a movie that you can think of when Eric Roberts is mentioned, which is Hard Luck Love Song, which is the movie Absolutely. that we're going to be talking about on this episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Now, one thing that's important for you to know, Julie, and I don't think we've been mentioning this as much on recent episodes as we probably should, Liam and I made a blood oath to cover the life and work of Eric Roberts, meaning that we have to, all those movies on that scroll on the uh, top of the IMDb profile, Liam and I have to watch every single one of those, right, Liam? You see, what happened here, Julie, was that Doug tricked me and he got me to agree to something that if I had known the implications of which, I would not have agreed to. But much like uh, many uh, white men throughout history have done to my people, uh, being Puerto Rico, uh, he talked me into a deal that was not even and that now I am committed to probably for life. And uh, I feel really bad about it. But here we are. Well, you're talking about that trickery. I thought you were talking about the Irish, Leon. <laughs> also true. I, you know, it's it is fair to say that I come from a long line of people who have a history of being mistreated. Liam and Julie, today's film is called Hard Luck Love Song, and it is uniquely based on a song. It's based on a song called Just Like Old Times by an artist named Todd Snyder, who I'm not unfortunately familiar with. And I thought before we got into the big meat of this episode that we would talk a little bit whether you are aware of any other films and have any uh, uh, love for any other films that are based on songs. And Liam, since I know that you don't really read the outline that I give, so you're probably not prepared, do you have any songs that have been turned into movies that you particularly enjoy? The only one I can think of off the top of my head, and I could be wrong about this, but I think I'm right, is uh, Nine to Five. Hmm. Oh, right? I wasn't. I don't know. Was that? Was that maybe written for the movie? I actually don't know. I I could swear the song existed first, and then they made the movie. If I'm incorrect, feel free to let us know over the internet. That's fine. Uh, but it, assuming I'm right about that, then that's the only. Not only is that my favorite because I really love that movie, it's also the only one I could think of. Well, I'm just uh, just going to find out here. The film's theme song, 9 to 5, written and recorded by Parton, became one of the biggest hits of the decade. Uh, so just the, the, it was the theme song for the movie? It sounds like it was the theme song for the movie, Liam. Well, then so, I'll, be, I'll be honest, Doug. I, don't, I can't think of a single other one that I know of. What about The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia? Never seen it. What about Alice's Restaurant? Never seen it. What about, I can't really actually think of anyone offhand, but thankfully I don't have to. I know that Julie did read this ahead of time and had some notes. Julie, any thoughts, uh, music into movies? I did. I had Alice's Restaurant on my list, and I also had 9 to 5, although I was unsure which came first. 
Um, there was this not particularly great movie from the 90s that I liked because I was a girl in the 90s called Love Potion Number no. 9. Oh. oh, sure, yeah. Um, Liam, that, did I thought we it was cover, so, so, Sorry, Julie. Liam, did we cover Love Potion Number 9 on something? I talked about that movie in a podcast somewhat, somewhat uh, recently, and my and, and I'm not knocking your opinion on that movie whatsoever, Julie. But I have to say, <laughs> watching it for that podcast, it was horrifically offensive. <laughs> I, I definitely suspect that it doesn't hold up, and I haven't seen it since the '90s. So, I yeah, I would be afraid to put my name behind it as liking it, but I liked it at that time. <laughs> any other any other films to talk about, Julie? Uh, well, I really like Pretty in Pink, which is apparently attempted to be based on the psychedelic first song, but the the point of the song was missed entirely in the movie. So not really, but I do love that movie. And that's it. That's every single one. Every that's single movie. I, that's all I have seen that I can well, think of. Uh, there was that movie Last Christmas a few years ago. I don't know if that was directly based on the song <laughs> by Wham. And there's a movie uh, based on Harper Valley PTA. Liam, do you know that song? No. <laughs> I thought you were born in the 70s, Liam. <laughs> 1979? Like the very end. <laughs> it's, I'm finding that this topic of songs being turned into movies has not been a very fruitful topic at all. But it does, again, play into our movie today, which is very explicitly based on this song. Uh, when we get to our break before talking about the movie proper, I'll play a little bit of that song so we can get a feel for what this movie might be like. But before we do that, we need to talk about all the latest Eric Roberts news. It's The Roberts Report. It's the Roberts Report for this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man Redux. Uh, we want to start, actually, by wishing Eric and Eliza Roberts all the best after a recent frightening encounter. This was actually uh, publicized all over the place, T TMZ, Radar Online. Eric Roberts left shaken after intruder with sunken eyes said, I know you, and walked off into the darkness. The actor and his wife, Eliza, are now leaving no stone unturned to ensure the residence was secure. Yeah, a scary incident with a stranger at the Eric Roberts and Eliza Roberts residence, which we also know is a squirrel sanctuary and has a lot of cats inside. Uh, they uh, en encountered some kind of a person who was rather threatening, Liam. What do you think about that? I mean, that makes me sad. I don't want to think of anything bad happening to Eric Roberts, but I've got to say, the intruder knew who he was, so that's better than a lot of people. How do you mean? Please well, tell me more. Most people don't know who he is, and we bring it up all the time, and we have to mention Julia Roberts for them to even know who we're talking about. Well, let me show how you're wrong, Liam, in that my uncle about a month ago, yeah. <laughs> he, he does not know who Eric Roberts is, but a friend of his does, and she was very impressed to hear that not only do we have a podcast devoted to the life and work of actor Eric Roberts, but that we had actually spent time with Eric Roberts. What do you think about that? That's pretty great. So that's uh, an intruder and a friend of your uncle. So that's pretty good. Hopefully all of them are willing to donate to the Patreon. Uh, Julie, uh, I know that you uh, don't have a lot of intimate knowledge about the life of Eric Roberts, but uh, certainly uh, cer certainly seems like a scary incident that he ran into here. I'm just going to read a little bit of what we have. Uh, as for the recent scare, Eliza explained that her sister was throwing a birthday party for her niece that evening, noting she had been driving with her daughter to the shindig. Eric usually comes with them, but he opted not to go this time because he had an early flight the next morning. When Eliza and her daughter got back, the acting coach said she was dropped off at the gate. As she got onto the property, Eric was walking out in his bathrobe and asked her about a man who had followed her in. 
Eric encountered him, she said, giving a chilling description of the intruder. The man was wearing a short sleeve, black shirt, and black jeans. Eliza revealed he had long, unkempt hair and really sunken eyes. So uh, if that is a description that matches anybody that you know, hey, shame on them for scaring Eric Roberts and his wife. Bad. But they're going to be uh, putting a security system into their home, Liam, so I don't think we're going to have to worry about intruders bothering Eric Roberts in the future. I mean, that makes me happy. I need, I need him to... Stick around and keep putting out quality cinema. Yeah, and we continue our look at Eric Roberts with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter, at Eric Roberts, all one word, and I think you should. Just yesterday at the time of this recording, <laughs> Eric Roberts tweeted. <laughs> you, gotta, gotta, you can't laugh when you say it. You got to say it straight. <clears throat> Eric Roberts tweeted, find truth comb. Julie, what do you think about that? That's amazing. Um, I I sort of see what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Please give your interpretation of fine truth comb for us. Well, you know, sometimes the truth isn't obvious and you have to kind of comb it out. That, yes, yeah. like a thick matted uh, uh, collection <laughs> of hair. You need to comb out that truth. You know, quite famously, uh, John Lennon, the singer, said, give me some truth. But he didn't mention the comb at all. Liam, your thoughts on fine truth comb? Uh, I prefer a wide tooth comb. Why is that then? Because uh, I don't like stuff getting caught in my hair. Yes. The truth, Liam, I think what Eric Roberts is referring to here is some of the re- uh, recent political strife in that country of yours, the United States of America. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a real allergy to truth among certain folks in the populace. Liam, what do you think of Mayim Bialik? Uh, you know, I have not been paying attention to what uh, Blossom has been up to, but I hear not good things. Well, so when you hear not good things, what are those things that you're hearing? I think she might be an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> I think that might be the case. I, I, t- to uh, defend her slightly, I believe that she later went back on those feelings okay, and then wrote okay. some sort of op-ed about that she is not an anti-vaxxer and all of her children are vaccinated. That said, she's a controversial figure. Uh, also the host of Jeopardy, one of the hosts of Jeopardy now, Liam. Oh, yeah, and there was someone else. Uh, you know, I, I also have not been paying attention to the Jeopardy controversy, but I, I do remember that one of the uh, possible hosts was, uh, oh, what is his real name? Jordy LaForge, you know, Reading Rainbow. No, that's his name, Jordy LaForge. No, his actual <laughs> name. I don't remember. I'm you mean sorry. LeVar Burton, yeah, the famous actor? <laughs> right, LeVar Burton. You know, I've, I've watched Roots. I know I know who LeVar Burton is. But my goodness. Here's, here's my deal. Here's my deal. I don't care about Jeopardy particularly, but it did seem like a lot of fans were into him. So I don't know why they went with her over him. Or I guess first they went with actually the producer guy that nobody liked. Yes, and then he got fired. Great. Yeah. <laughs> he he done a bunch of shitty things. Yeah. Over LeVar <laughs> I mean, Burton. What good. the fuck is going on? You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know what is going on. But Julie, what are your thoughts on Jeopardy, the game show? I it's fine. It <laughs> usually makes me feel stupid unless it's Celebrity Jeopardy, and then I nail it. Yeah. What's your least favorite game show, Julie? Oh, least favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, there. I don't know. Wow. I don't watch a lot answer, of game shows. The correct answer is Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> oh come on! One of my first crushes was Pat Sajak. Well, I've got some really bad news about him. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I mean, it's a long time ago. Yeah. I got taller. He didn't. <laughs> yeah. uh, the reason I bring up Maya Bialik is that she is the director of a film called As They Made Us, 
uh, from 2022 with Dustin Hoffman, <laughs> also a troublesome character, Simon Helberg and Candace Bergen. And Eric Roberts says, loved it. So this is an episode of Eric Roberts' Movie Corner. He loves As They Made Us from the year 2022. Liam, will we be checking that movie out? No, because he's not in it. So. He's not in it. Yeah. So we have no blood oath obligation to check that out. <laughs> Julie, you have any thoughts on Mayim Bialik? Um, I think she had a really hot take about the Me Too movement and how women wouldn't get hit on as much if they weren't so hot. Like she, she did say hot, that. Which was a bummer. Jesus Christ. She decided yeah. to write, again, another op-ed. <laughs> Where she said something really terrible and extremely ignorant, and then there was a lot of pushback, and then she apologized. But, like, how can you trust an apology after all that pushback? She sucks. <laughs> Go to hell, Blossom. That's what I say. Eric Roberts tweeted on August 26th, if you write what you know, you can write what you know to be wrong. Now, I need to explain this tweet a little bit. He has written, if you write, as in, like, writing with a pencil on a piece of paper, what you know, you can write. In this case, it's spelled like right and wrong. You can write what you know to be wrong. Julie, any interpretations of what the fuck he's trying to say here? Well, I, I think he's really got some issues with the current media situation. Mm. You know, mm. they, they could be fixing some things. Instead, they're making it worse. I think that's what he thinks. It's funny. I mean, this is a man who uh, just recently got written up in a lot of media because of this uh, incident at his house, but maybe he doesn't feel like it's very accurate. Liam, your thoughts on the writing what you know so you can write what you know to be wrong? I think that um, one of the things we've seen as a theme with Eric Roberts is that uh, <laughs> he feels like he had a lot of injustice in his childhood uh, mm. and a lot of mistreatment. And he often is attracted to scripts and stories about that sort of relationship. Uh, and he he often talks about that in more of a, a, a social way and less of a personal way. So this is kind of doing both, right? Write something personal and you can maybe through your writing uh, uh, change an injustice or, or at least address an injustice. I think it's true. I just think that anything that rhymes like this or is like kind of like a, like a witty, you know, wordism or whatever is like probably just bullshit. But I think there is a, there's a kernel of something here that's interesting, but it's, it's too busy being snappy to really get at something worthwhile. What if I did this, Liam? What if I took a picture of a minion, like yes. one of those minions from the movies, yes. Yes. and I put, if you write what you know, you can write what you know to be wrong on that image, and I post yes. it on Facebook? How, yeah, that would probably go over pretty well. I would like that on a hoodie, actually. Mm. I would buy that. Well, product. I mean, you do have a t-shirt company. You could probably make that happen. Oh, fuck. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> Back on August 24th, Eric Roberts wrote, I often think it's not so much that we seek our parents' approval, but that we wish they were worthy of ours. Sticking with you, Liam, you mentioned already, uh, Eric uh, mentions a lot, you know, refers to his troubled childhood a lot. This seems to be an extension of that as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm into it. Yeah. Fuck you, mom. You know? Hey! <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I do think that uh, that happens, but, but I also, uh, as someone who has you know, uh, my own sort of resentments against parents. I do think that a certain amount of childhood resentment against our parents is also unfounded because we actually don't know how hard it was to be our parents. So I think you, you got to balance this out a little bit, you know, that 
of uh, sometimes the approval that they're not worthy of is based upon this image we had of them as like fucking superheroes and they weren't superheroes. But it sounds like the stuff that happened to him again. I don't know. He doesn't get very specific in any sort of thing we've read about him, but apparently whatever happened to him and I'm assuming his siblings was pretty awful. So uh, in that case, yeah, I think it, it makes sense that like he would have a lot of frustration with them, you know? And you have to remember as well that Eric himself is a parent. So it's right. all been reversed, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, and he's maybe he's talking about himself, Liam. Oh, true. Yeah, especially his his notorious troubled relationship with his daughter Emma, who's an actress of some kind. That's what I hear. <laughs> Julie, your thoughts? Uh, uh, we often think it's not so much that we seek our parents' approval, but that we wish they were worthy of ours. It's very insightful uh, learning this background on. Because you know, as I as you know, I knew nothing about him. This background mm-hmm. on his troubled childhood, this makes a lot more sense that he would put this um, as someone with troublesome parents. I totally get it. Back on August nineteenth, Eric Roberts wrote, "Chosen ignorance becomes idiocy." No, uh, no um, wordplay here. Sticking with you, Julie. Uh, chosen ignorance becomes idiocy. What do you think? Do we think he has one of these uh, inspirational quote calendars? <laughs> <laughs> Or is he coming up with these? You know what? They all sound like familiar enough. They do. They absolutely do. And I wonder if I was to put that uh, that quote in quotation marks into a search word online and where where that might pop up. But I mean, it must be what he's thinking. What's going through the uh, Mm -hmm. either Eric or his wife's mind at any particular time? What do you think he's referring to? I mean, you know what? At the end of the day, you can only be right or wrong. And he is in the right, I think. It's been a big last few months as we've been waiting here at Eric Roberts is the fucking man for the release of Michael Flatley's long in development film Blackbird. And the time has finally come for people to see it. You may remember, Liam, that the Monaco Streaming Film Festival (laughs) featured this movie. I believe it was last year, maybe even the year before. And it gave Michael Flatley an acting award. Uh, So we were were led to believe that, hey, this might be something special. Uh, For those who don't know, this is a spy thriller featuring Lord of the Dance himself, Michael Flatley. Not only featuring him, starring and written by him. Uh, and it was made in 2018, just been sitting and waiting for the right moment to appear in the world. And that right moment happened to be 2022. Uh, re- <laughs> this is a uh, comment that was on the letterbox profile for Blackbird uh, by Dylan Stike. It says, release your insane vanity project, you step-dancing Irish coward. People are clamoring for Blackbird. Uh, Julie, I had you watch the trailer for Blackbird. Now, I know that Mm -hmm. you probably had very little background on what this was all about. What were your thoughts on this trailer? I had no idea this was a thing. I Mm -hmm. am stunned, uh, curious, uh, but it felt like uh, James Bond through the lens of a soap opera. I think that's very fair. That's a very fair description of that trailer. What if I was to tell you that it's also a semi-remake of Casablanca? (laughs) Wow. Does not come through in the trailer itself. What do you know about Michael Flatley? All I really know is that he is the Lord of the Dance. Lord of the Dance. Now, do you have any fandom or interest in this Irish step dancing? Not not particularly, no. Mm -hmm. I'm curious Mm -hmm. if he dances in this film. Doesn't look like it, but... If you paid your $12 to see Blackbird in a theater and he didn't dance, would you be very disappointed? Yeah, I would be. Yeah. 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 Blackbird sucks because it doesn't have the Lord of the Dance doing his dancing. Though I think he's all fucked up. I think he's fucked up physically, so I don't know if he can dance anymore. Liam, do you know anything about that? Nothing. Liam, what did you think of this trailer for the film Blackbird? 
It looks very bad. Um, I do. I do think this whole thing where it's like it doesn't matter how old I am, you must believe that I am capable of assaulting multiple people and and winning in that assault. I I've just it's hard enough to believe for actual beautiful people who've managed to stay young looking, um, but the idea that I'm gonna buy Michael Flatley as a an international man of mystery is just not going to work for me. That's just that's just not I, that's a bridge too far. I think I'm going to say, and this might be a controversial thing to say. I think that the trailer. I'm not saying that it makes the movie look good. I'm just saying that it looks good in the sense that sure, it looks like the yeah. cinematography is perfectly reasonable. It looks like it looks like a movie. It's not like some sort of cheap Neil Breen type thing. It looks like an actual movie so that's something in its favor while i was writing the outline for everyone uh, to check out for this episode today the guardian review for blackbird dropped uh, this is from the guardian paper and it is titled michael flatley's fabulously bad spy tale is a classic of ego exploitation cinema they gave it a big one star and as of the morning of this recording i was listening to mark kermode's review of blackbird and he said that it's one of the worst films he's ever seen in his entire life liam when you hear that does that make you more or less excited to watch this film? A little bit more excited because that sounds like it won't be boring. My, you know, one of the things we've talked about is that sometimes boring is worse than bad. So if it's really, really over the top terrible, that might at least be interesting. Whereas to me, watching the trailer, I felt like this was going to be a surprisingly good looking, boring thing to watch. Julie, did you have any interest in uh, so bad they're good movies, so called so bad they're good movies? Yeah, I can get into some of those. Yeah. But what are some of those that we should all be checking out? Oh, Lord. Uh, well, mm-hmm. one recently, I don't even know if this counts as so bad, but there is a film that might be out or is coming out called Crabs with an oh. exclamation point. And it's it's earnest but cheesy. It's it's one to look out for. It's really good. But I mean, bad. I'm only going from the title. Does it involve killer crabs? Yeah, horseshoe crabs to be specific. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Varying sizes. I have to say, I also size, some kaiju. I also like a movie title with the exclamation point in it. Yeah, it gets you excited right off the bat. Julie, uh, you ever watch any Doctor Who? It's a long-running TV series. When I was a kid, I watched some, but not recently. No, I don't know much about this Doctor Who character. Uh, very popular. Uh, what one thing I do know is that in the mid '90s, there was a made-for-television movie, a United States. Lens uh, movie uh, called Doctor Who, which featured Eric Roberts as the villain, a villain called the Master, which is apparently a very popular villain in the mythos of this Doctor Who character. And uh, for a long time, that movie was not considered very good at all. And even to this day, it's not considered very good at all. But uh, despite that, they have created a series of audio adventures featuring Eric Roberts as this character of the Master. Uh, story details and cover artwork are today revealed for the brand new master box set of bewitching full cast audio dramas due for release in October 2022 by Big Finish Productions. Uh, in three hour-long episodes forming a single epic audio movie, the movie master, played by Eric Roberts, plans a dastardly return using the technology aboard a time-traveling ship. It just so happens that his nemesis, Vienna Salvatore, played by Chase Masterson from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, is also there on an assignment. Uh, so... Knowing, Julie, that you uh, don't really care about Doctor Who, and mm-hmm. you probably, up until this point, were not aware that Eric Roberts played the master in a TV movie in the mid-90s. Are you going to check out this audio adventure? I Wow. 
if if I don't need the Doctor Who backstory to understand it, yeah, maybe, yeah. I mean, that's I I think what you're saying there is very reasonable. Have you ever listened to any audiobooks, Julie? Yeah. Is that is that your your uh, preferred way to take in literature? Uh, you know, I I I like reading physical books as well, but sometimes audiobooks just make more sense. Make more sense because you're on the go. Yeah. I'm on the go. I'm a crafter. I'm doing things with my hands a lot. So sometimes if I want to get a book read, I got to have someone read it to me. I like that. I, that's why I like podcasts, right? It's something mm-hmm. I can do. Yeah. It, it just keeps my mind busy so I don't have to think about the state of the world. Liam, we've talked about Doctor Who on this podcast before, uh, and we've talked about these audio adventures. Are you excited about checking out these Doctor Who audio movies? Uh, No. I don't know if our blood oath forces us to uh, to listen to these, I should say. But we did make a blood oath to cover the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. So maybe we should check out these Doctor Who things. I mean, why not? It's an endless task that (laughs) we'll be doing till we're dead. So let's just make it longer. What we need is a Doctor Who expert to guide us through some of the difficulties of this. I think it would be fun to, to, you know, pop a bowl of popcorn and listen to a three-hour audio adventure featuring Eric Roberts and Chase Masterson. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm interested in audio dramas. I don't have a lot of experience with them, but they seem like a cool idea. Weaponized dinosaurs are unleashed in trailer for Jurassic Dominion. No, wait, let me try that again. In trailer for Jurassic Domination. Remember the Asylum, Liam? They're the, uh, that low-budget production company that makes a lot of mockbusters. Well, uh, they've made another mockbuster. This one for the Jurassic World franchise. This one is called Jurassic Domination. And it stars Eric Roberts. The film sees a small mountain town terrorized by two military-made weaponized allosauruses. And we watched the trailer for this as well, Liam. What do you think of the trailer for Jurassic Domination? I How many um, dinosaur-related movies now has Eric Roberts been in? He's been in quite a few. I remember seeing Cowboys vs. Dinosaurs. Yeah, and wasn't he in one of the Carnivore movies? Oh, yes, that's correct. He was. Yeah, I think he was yeah. in the third Carnivore movie. Yeah. No, Carnosaur movie. Carnosaur. I'm sorry. I apologies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't It's. I don't understand these uh, these CGI dinosaur movies. Um, they, they're just not – they're not for me. I know we'll have to watch it because he's in it, but I, I'm not excited by the, by the idea. You didn't care much for this trailer? Doesn't look great, no. I'm a little, I'm a little sick of these these asylum movies because they're not very fun. You know, I wish they were more fun. Right? Yeah, that's the deal. Right? Is if you're gonna do it, why not make it silly or you know even like witty? But um, they always seem to actually um, take themselves very seriously while not actually putting in the effort needed to make a good movie. And I feel like that's a that's a deadly combination. Now, Julie, I hope us talking like that negatively about the asylum did not spoil your own thoughts on the trailer for Jurassic Domination. What did you think? Well, my favorite part of the trailer <clears throat> is that everyone except Eric Roberts in the trailer looked completely over it. <laughs> and I thought that was really fun. They're doing their best. They're trying <laughs> they to are. act. But uh, yeah, I think it's one of these movies where like Eric Roberts is in it for about 10 minutes or actually five minutes. And they just cut to him because it seems like he's in a room by himself wearing a too large uniform uh, for the entire running time of it. So it, they probably filmed him in that uniform for five different movies for the asylum. And they're just going to pepper him in throughout all of them. But uh, what do you think about these dinosaur movies, Julie? you have any interest in those? Well, I, I do constantly shell out my hard-earned money for the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World franchise. 
Interesting. And this can't be much worse than the most recent Jurassic <laughs> Dominion. So seems to me that you didn't like Jurassic Dominion from what you're saying. Uh, yet you keep shelling out your through, money for them. About halfway through, I mumbled to myself, why do I keep doing this? I cannot keep doing this to myself. That's how I felt about it. Julie, but why I'm do you keep doing it? And I, why do you keep doing that to yourself? Jurassic Park was so good. True. Very Dinosaurs, true. Dinosaurs. It was magical. And the, you know, the sequels to the original were okay. And then Jurassic World wasn't bad. I thought it was a good, a fairly good reboot. And it's just got, I didn't know it would get this bad. I didn't know it would become like an action movie. I don't know if this is the right, like an action movie, but with dinosaurs, like there's sure. car chases and then there's dinosaurs. Why? Why is this happening? Dinosaurs don't live in cities. It makes no sense. Dinosaurs do not live in cities. That's correct. That it is actually the message. That way. That's the message I want people to take away from this episode of Eric Roberts. <laughs> fucking mad redux. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is a movie called MMA Cop from director Tamara Rothschild. Also the director of 2021's Extreme Rahid. And if you go to the IMDb page for Extreme Rahid, for some reason, someone, I think, has changed the title to Rapist Rapist, uh, which is disconcerting, I have to say. I didn't enjoy reading that whatsoever. I don't know if that is actually an alternate title, but uh, it seems very bizarre. MMA Cop, the film, is described as a young renegade vice detective protects a beautiful investigative journalist who is hunted by an elite sex trafficking tycoon. Um, and I hope that idea excites you because according to the IMDb, MMA Cop 2 is also currently being filmed even before MMA Cop 1 is released. It features Eric Roberts as a character named Dallas Stonebridge. Liam, are you excited to check out MMA Cop? Yeah, I mean, those are two things I love, MMA and cops. <laughs> yeah, you're a, you're a, you enjoy, what's that mixed martial art that you enjoy so much, Liam? <laughs> you mean capoeira? Yeah, capoeira. The... <laughs> Fuck yeah. you, Doug. Yeah, you enjoy capoeira. So that the Brazilian dance fighting. <laughs> uh, I mean, I did it before and I liked it, but yeah, I, I don't know that I'm a practitioner. If this Mr. MMA cop decided to break out some dance moves in his fighting, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's. I think capoeira is fun, and friends of mine who actually do martial arts are so annoyed that I. They think it's the dumbest thing ever because it doesn't actually. You can't actually fight somebody for the what? most part with capoeira. How, why not? It's it's just not it's not feasible. Though. It's just not realistic. That's all. Limbs akimbo, Liam. I mean, eventually it's going to hit somebody, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. Julie, what are your thoughts on mixed martial arts? I don't like it. <laughs> why is that? You it's don't like just, people punching each other? No, I love that. It, oh, okay. MMA is just like two people hugging till someone bleeds. Yeah. As yeah, far as I yeah, can tell. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I need more action than that, I guess. I don't know. I like professional wrestling. Yeah. But I, I don't care for MMA. So if this was professional wrestling cop, it'd probably be a little more interesting. Oh, I'd be in. Right. But yeah. when I tell you that this is about a young renegade vice detective protecting a beautiful investigative journalist, that doesn't seem to hold much appeal to you. No, that doesn't do much for me. Well, let's hope that despite what its name is, Mixed Martial Arts Cop actually features more professional wrestling than Mixed Martial Arts. <laughs> but I have to say I'm skeptical at this point. But Liam, are we going to check out MMA Cop 1 and 2? Uh, is he in both? I thought he was only in the second one. Uh, Liam, uh, sorry, I should say, Eric Roberts is only in the first one. That is correct. But, oh, I mean, if you one. know that there's a sequel, you kind of got to watch that too, right? No, I will watch whatever one he is in. 
Well, let's hope Dallas Stonebridge returns in MMA Cop 2. <laughs> but either way, we, we do have to watch those movies. Why is that again, Liam? Because of our blood oath. Because we made a blood oath to cover the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. Speaking of which, we are here to talk about a movie today based on a song, Hard Luck Love Song from the year 2020. We're going to take a break. We're going to listen to the song that that movie was based on. And when we come back, we're going to talk about it. We'll be right back. A Coke machine going through a parking lot Called it a run with a view Best night of pool that I ever shot Beat a lot of money too We're looking for some company In the weekly scene I seen I had to just had to be you I ain't seen you since New Orleans Never did figure out where you run off to I know I look bad the last time you saw me But lately I've been doing alright Won a tournament last week in Oklahoma City Hustled half of this town tonight I got some cocaine if you want some The best that I could find we could just sit here and talk all night If that big old guy out in the car don't mind Like old times A screw off a top on a bottle of wine Living out a different kind of American dream Old times Your goal was always the same as mine You didn't want to throw a fishing line in that old Jesse, a charismatic but down-on-his-luck troubadour, finds himself at an existential crossroads as bad choices catch up with him during an unexpected reunion with Carla, an old flame. This is Hard Luck Love Song from the year 2020, directed and written by Justin Corbsby. This is his first feature-length film, uh, starring Michael Dorman from Amazon's TV show Patriot, Sophia Bush, Dermot Mulroney, uh, Brian Sacka, Melora Walters, Riza, and Eric Roberts. As a Skip, as a character named Skip, also featuring Biff Whiff, who you might know from uh, the Santa slash Detective Crashmore sketch from I Think You Should Leave. He doesn't show up till near the end, but I was like, hey, that's that guy from that show. Uh, it, as we've talked about already, this is a uh, movie based on a song, and having looked at the song lyrics and listened to the song a few times, it seems like a pretty uh, accurate translation of a lot of the lyrics in that song. Uh, it's kind of a slow drama that the poster suggests that it's this neo-noir western. I think that might be a bridge, maybe several bridges too far, but I'm very curious to hear what everyone has to think. I'm going to start with our guest today, Julie. What did you think of Hard Luck Love Song? I would say overall I liked it. It was a little longer than I thought it needed to be. There were some they could have sped up some of that part before things really kick off, but I think it had some good stuff. What are some of those things that were good about it? Uh Dermot Mulrooney for starters. Yeah. What what an out of character role for him. He had gold teeth. <laughs> it was awesome. When he showed up, I was like, "Oh, yes." Amazing, amazing. Um, the the overall story is good. I thought I liked the soundtrack. I like Americana music for the most part, so I like sure. that. Uh, it looked good. 
Yeah. It looked good. Dermot Mulroney has gold teeth, and it's got a good soundtrack. Hey, honestly, that's three points in its favor, which is about three points more than we usually have on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about any other performances that might have stuck out in a second. Moving over to you, Liam, I get the feeling that you didn't enjoy yourself with Hard Luck Love Song. Tell me more. It's just not... I you know I I appreciate this uh, a, a story about some real folks who are living on the edge you know I, I kind of appreciate that but for whatever reason I just didn't find Jesse that endearing um, I just I I couldn't really connect to where he was at and um, while I like the idea of a movie where uh, our two um, our two sort of sympathetic characters are kind of criminals living on the edge. Like, I kind of like that. These two just, you know, I, although I will say that his uh, love interest was slightly more interesting than, than he was. Uh, overall, I just, I didn't find myself caring. Um, and I, I want to highlight though, since this is an Eric Roberts podcast, mm-hmm. none of my concern was about the quality of the filmmaking, e- even to the extent that I don't think, well, I don't think the script was great. It wasn't terrible. Um, and it, the movie looks pretty good. And the uh, while, while I thought the the gentleman who played Jesse was was a little flat for me, he wasn't terrible either. And there, some of the other performances I thought really good, like you said, Dermot Mulroney, I thought was 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 uh, pretty good as this uh, local thug guy. Uh, yeah. I don't know, I, I don't know what kind of uh, criminal mastermind he is, but he he certainly has heavies, which is good enough for me. Um, <laughs> some of the heaviest heavies I've seen in recent memory. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but still, just something about it. I just never felt drawn into it. I think partly because the sort of hard luck that this is, right, is not one that I'm too interested in. For me, it it just felt like this character came across as more selfish in a lot of ways. And I didn't really care about where he was at, uh, you know. And then everything kind of just, even though there's some real stakes to it at certain points, everything just kind of works out. And I just thought, I don't really care about this. And you know, when it when it was uh, reveals at the end that it was based off a song, which I did not pay enough attention to know ahead of time. Uh, and they have the the guy sing the song over the credits, so I was like, well, I'm going to check out this song. Uh, there's a certain sense of humor and almost like a a self-mocking to the song, like like right. a knowledge that this is somewhat of a ridiculous situation and these uh, characters uh, in the song are uh, maudlin and sad, but there's also something a little, um, maybe, maybe gallows humor is too dramatic, but there is a certain humor to it. And none of that comes across in the movie. And I found myself wishing... I wish a little bit more of that kind of self-reflective mocking was in the movie. And I just don't feel like it's there. I feel like the movie is taking this a lot more seriously than the song does. It's a very humorless movie. There's no doubt about that. Uh, There are a couple of moments with some light humor involving a police officer character in it. But even that feels a little because it's there's so little humor. It actually makes it feel out of step with the rest of the movie because you're not expecting it to happen. I will say that I find the first maybe 40 minutes of this to be very, very good. Like, I, maybe almost even excellent. I really like the setup. I, I was into, I actually think Michael Dorman does a very good job as Jesse. He is a very unlikable character in a lot of ways, but I think that 
the suggestion of a lot of mystery about his background works in the context of the movie that he's just has that little bit of extra charisma and obvious talent that makes you at least not if, if not want to see him succeed then not not necessarily see him fail in a way that's going to be you know horrifically violent um i think he does a good job and then it sets up him as a pool shark which i thought was very interesting i'm like okay i want to see more than this and then the movie takes a detour to him meeting up with this Carla, someone he's known for a long time. She's a sex worker at this point. They're obviously very close and have a history together. And they have a sequence in his motel room. And that sequence goes on for like 40 minutes. And it just, for me, brings the movie to a real, if not a dead stop, then it slows it down. Just I just goes on too long, you know? I, I think it all heats up again for the final 20 minutes, again, to the point where I still really enjoyed the movie for the most part. But yeah, it's a, it, there's, there's certainly highs and lows for it. What is it about the lead performance you didn't like? Is it just that the character was unlikable, or you just didn't think that the character, sorry, the uh, actor brought anything to it? Yeah, I mean, I, I I'll be honest. I don't know that I was deeply analyzing his performance to look for flaws so it might just be you're right that i'm judging his performance when really it's the character is written um but there have were... you ever seen this guy before this michael dorman don't know who he is don't know anything yeah about him. I, I wasn't too familiar with him obviously he's done a lot of stuff like he's been in a lot of things maybe i have seen him before but certainly this is the most i've ever paid attention to him. i guess the, the 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 places where i feel like he's being stretched right are in the very sequence you're describing as too long, which is, too, I, I agree, it is it is a huge part of the movie. Although, to be fair, that's a lot of what the song is about. Yeah, so it I mean, it is the core of the movie as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a couple of moments where he has to be emotional and also interact with this police officer and interact with her, and he's he's playing drunk. And a lot of that felt not very good to me. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't appreciate his... Uh, performance of of uh, a drunkman, and I thought with the cop that all took on a bit of a like a like went because the cop was being funny. I didn't yeah. feel like his performance was very serious either, and I feel like that scene would work better if he maintained the same level of seriousness, but the cops just being a goofball. Like I, I just think that would play better. But overall, though, I mean, I, I don't want to make it sound like everyone's good and he sucks at the film. It's not that. Um, I just didn't think. Uh, I thought her performance actually was kind of uh, strong, considering I don't know that the character um, gives her a ton to do. I feel like what she does is pretty good, but still, there's just not enough that the character's given to do for me to be that connected to her in the film. I do like how the movie is not particularly judgmental about the alcohol and drug use in it. Agreed. It's not supposed to be like talk so toxic to the character. I mean, there is a, a scene where he buys cocaine in the film and in 98% of other movies, which have very heavy handed. And again, look, I, I'm not suggesting one way or the other in regards to my feelings on drugs, but it would definitely be like, oh, this is a setup for him, you know, having this wild, crazy thing that gets him, you know, it, that's not the direct path for the bad things that happened to him later which i thought was a kind of an interesting way to go uh that's probably why i hated the movie doug i was so straight edge that i'm like, well i was gonna <laughs> look, look at these degenerates I, I was trying not to mention how would you know what a drunk person is even likely <laughs> oh you're right because i've never been around drunk people doug i don't know what world you live in but i can't escape drunk people it's impossible not to interact with drunk people at least in this country i will, will say i wish the movie was a little more judgmental on the drunk driving that it shows <laughs> with, with no kind. Yeah, I was I was going to bring that up later, but that is that is while I 
I could make the joke and mean it a little bit of like, I can't connect to this movie because I'm so straight edge and I think these people, whatever. <laughs> I don't really mean that because I've watched other movies with lots of drug use and have connected to the characters. So clearly that's not what's at stake. I will say the lack of judgment on the drunk driving left me a little like, come on, guys, we got to have some moral center here. Like, what's going on? <laughs> but I guess, you know, it, this is a, a real life situation. People do it. Doesn't always turn out bad. You know, I guess that, that sounds like well, I'm actually no, suggesting you. No, people. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Julie, had you ever seen Michael Dorman in anything before? Not that I'm aware of. I think this was a first time for me. What did you think of his performance? Did, did uh, is Liam giving him too much of a hard time? I don't know. I don't think too much of a hard time. Like, I don't think he was great in it. I don't think he was so bad that it ruined the experience for me. Um, I mean, this is like an indie movie, and he's carrying it. I think. His performance is better than passable, but not great. You know, he has to do a lot in it, right? He has to sing a few songs. Seems like it's his voice. He also has to play pool. Like he has to play pool in a way that's believable that he's a pool shark. There's a scene that seems like an unbroken take where he's playing pool and seeming to be doing it very effectively. I was quite impressed by it. Um, You already mentioned, Julie, that you you thought that the music in this was pretty good. Now, Liam, off off mic, has has told me that he didn't much care for the music. What is it about the music that appealed to you in the film? I mean, I just like this style of movie. I like the the Americana, you know, kind of modern folk. I don't know if folk's kind of the right word, but not quite country, not quite not country i i just like that style of movie it had some some songs in it that i already knew a little bit and liked so i was like all right i can get behind this absolutely i think you know i i wrote when i was describing it to myself kind of country folk maybe and alt country is probably the the best name for people who know what that is yeah no i enjoy the music very much that kind of acoustic kind of intimate feeling also very personal type lyrics not certainly not you know at, at the beginning of the show so I called you a friend in low places, Liam, suggesting that there was a country music twang to this in a very kind of unpleasant kind of way. But uh, I actually, I thought the music, it, it felt very legitimate to the experiences here. It is also, and this is something that that we talk about in movies sometimes, but it kind of stuck out to me. It's a very white movie in a lot of oh, ways. Yeah. Uh, until the RZA shows up in the final 20 minutes, it's it, it this thing is sparkly white. But just uh, sticking to the soundtrack for a second, Liam, what is it that you hated about the music in this movie? I didn't say I hated the music. All I said I'm pretty was, sure. Let's roll back the tape on that. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, I just don't. I I didn't care about the music. It wasn't endearing to me. I just don't like this. I I there are exceptions to the rule, but this the music in this movie leaned a little bit more towards the countryside of that equation, and that's where I'm I'm usually not invested. Um, so yeah, it just, there was no part where I was like, oh man, I'm really impressed by this guy right now. I just, it's fine. It's fine. He can sing, play the guitar. It's all right. Liam, what's your favorite Wilco album? Mm, I don't have one. See, I knew it. See, this is just not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I like a sad, a, a sad man, a sad white man with a guitar. That can be sure. okay, mm-hmm. but, it, but it's not a universal like. It's like, there's a few good options out there, but. Uh, there are some other performers in this. You already mentioned the Sophia Bush uh, as Carla. Basically, her and Jesse's relationship are at the core of this movie. Uh, that scene that takes place in the middle of the movie with them in the motel room, it's just the two of them for most of it. And you get a real sense of their relationship. Again, I don't have any issue with their performances or their interactions. It just goes on for such a long time because it's trying to tell us a little bit about those characters. It just got to be a little bit 
much for me. Uh, over to you again, Julie. Any other performances outside of Dermot Mulroney, Michael Dorman, and Sophia Bush that stuck out to you in the movie? I know there isn't a lot of them that really do, but anything that stuck out? I mean, most of the other people were kind of side characters without much to do. For whatever reason, I don't know why, I really liked the liquor store employee who sells yeah. all the cocaine. I was just <laughs> like, yeah, that guy again. I like him. <laughs> I don't know why. He just, I wanted more of him, a little bit more of him. Again, I think it was just like he, he brought a little bit of energy and likability in a way that the other characters didn't seem to have any interest in showing any of those yeah, things. Yeah, he had cool neck tattoos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know yeah. what? More of him. Let's have a spinoff <laughs> in the next one. Yeah. <laughs> Julie, what do you think about uh, movies about pool sharks? Do you have any interest in that, uh, pool shark movies? I did find that to be the, uh, interesting that that's what this revolved around. I don't mm. know that I could name another pool shark movie, but... I like I like that as a as a central thing. You know, you see movies about gambling or like, you know, kind of the roadhouse kind of movie where people are in a dive bar and they're fighting sure. and you don't know why. But fighting over pool, that seems as legitimate as anything. And he was clearly hustling people. So I can see how things really spun out for him, taking people's money. I like seeing people hustled, I have to say. I, I just it and I it did. The odd thing about this movie is that it sets up him as a pool shark, and then he gets on the wrong side of this kind of gangsterish character played by Dermot Mulroney, and then he just never plays pool for the rest of the entire movie. It's just <laughs> out of it. Done. That's just not something that he does anymore. Liam, do you like people being hustled? Yeah, I. I Liam, there's, there's sorry, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Liam, have you ever hustled anyone else? Oh no, I'm not good enough at anything to hustle other people. What about podcasting? <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, there's no money to hustle. <laughs> there's not even money in just doing it. <laughs> All right, to go back to the idea. You enjoy watching other people be hustled. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I certainly like um, movies with smart criminals. I think that can be a very fun yeah. experience. I like that the people he hustled, and this is consistent in a lot of pool shark type movies, where the, you know the idea is like to build up their confidence, so they are acting like complete assholes, and then you just fucking wipe them, and like that, like that guy who calls him an ATM, and then it just cuts to that guy having to get money for him out of an ATM. I thought that was pretty fun, pretty clever, Liam. Yeah, I like that. Liam, what do you think about the RZA? I um, appreciate his production. Mm. Uh, I think he is often a very good MC, but some of the stuff he does I don't love. And uh, when it comes to his film work, I don't know that he always picks the best roles. Liam, should I call him just RZA instead of the RZA? Do I sound like a real a real uh, piece of shit just saying the RZA? I don't know that I'd say a piece. That's a little dramatic, Doug, to mm. say you're a piece of shit. Um I don't know. Some people call him the RZA. I think RZA's fine. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I. I don't know what the official uh, honorific is for him. You know. So what I'm getting from you is that you don't necessarily enjoy his acting. I can't think of a role I've seen him in where I thought I'm really glad he's doing this. So have you seen the film The Man with the Iron Fist, the movie that he stars in and directed? Yes. Yeah. And what did you think of that? It's not great. No, it's not. It sucks. <laughs> kind of felt like people pretended to like it at the time, but no, it's no good at all. Uh, let's let's go over to Julie. Julie, do you have any familiarity with this character, the RZA? I am familiar with his existence. I'm not going to pretend to know a whole lot about him because I don't. I can't remember seeing him in other movies, although I know I probably have. I know he's in other movies. You know what um, I know him to have done, Julie? Go on. 
There's a part in the Kill Bill soundtrack where they talk about the character of Oren Ishii. And there's like a spoken word thing that the RZA does on that soundtrack, which he produced and he put together. And he said he says she's Oren Ishii, half Chinese, half Japanese. What do you think about that? I don't know that I would have chosen that line, but he's the MC him. though. He's yeah. the guy. <laughs> That's a choice. What, is, what did you think of Riza in this film, Julie? I I don't think his character was necessary at all, but when he comes in and is immediately like kung fu fighting, <laughs> I was just like, wow. <laughs> I didn't expect that. I mean, you see him lurking in the background before he actually like steps into the light really so i didn't know what exactly i had a a vibe that his character was probably a pimp which as it turns out wasn't exactly what was going on and then Mm -hmm. he just comes out and just like destroys dermot mulroney's whole crew i hope this isn't a spoiler if people really want to watch this it's okay it's all right i mean he just he takes him out all by himself he sure does. And this is a very sedate movie. Let's make that very clear. There's not much action in this movie no. whatsoever. And in fact, the only earlier uh, potential for action where Jesse might have gotten beaten up by Dermot Mulroney and his goons, he runs away from it. So it doesn't actually happen. But we know that it's always lurking in the background as a possibility. And then it happens at the very end. By the way, we're, we're basically telling you the entire story of it. This is Jesse. He comes to this town that he's obviously been to before. He reconnects with Carla, someone he used to have feelings for and still does. They create, reconnect in a hotel room. They go to a bar uh, he gets jumped by Dermot Mulroney and his goons because he did the pool sharking on them earlier. They beat the living hell out of them, uh, out of him, and then he's saved by Riza, who suddenly comes out and just beats the shit out of all these guys by himself. And it was it was quite it an eye opening moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, well, I'll keep my thoughts to Riza uh, to myself for the moment. Liam, what did you think of Riza's performance in this? I think we already know where you're going to go with that. But also, what did you think of when he showed up in this movie? I mean, at first I was super excited. I I think, uh, you know, I should have known. I don't know why it didn't occur to me when he first shows up. I just see him fighting. I'm like, oh, yeah, Risa, awesome. And it wasn't until it was over that I thought, oh, no, he's going to be the boyfriend. And then he was the boyfriend. And I was like, oh, God damn it. He's Carla's boyfriend. Let's make that clear. Now, you mentioned, I think, before that he's not really a pimp, Liam. I don't think that that's a very fair fair I think you're both very wrong. The term my special girl is a term that pimps use for their girlfriends. Yeah, but he says specifically his girlfriend. Like, you are my girlfriend. Uh, I I think, and and when he says she's all I have, you guys might be right. I could be wrong. In having watched things about uh, uh, the culture of being a pimp, usually your special girl is a term you use for your lady who is both your, uh, uh, you know, the person you love and the person who you are, uh, 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 you know, uh, ransoming out their sex. So I just think. I mean, that he is definitely aware that she does sex work because she mentions that she's not working at that moment. It's very possible that that I'm just inferring it, and they just use that line because it's emotional. Like he's also, uh, and I will say this part I did appreciate. He's actually emotional. This isn't just about yeah. ego, though. That's part of it. He can't. He, he can't handle the idea that this is the guy that she's going to leave him for. So there is a certain amount of ego going on here. But also, you do get the feeling that he is also just not ready. That there's something emotional going on in it. I just don't love that he is literally the only character of color, yeah. and he's like her captor and is yeah. ready to like run off with her. That's a bummer. And again, 
I don't know if that it's clear that their relationship is only romantic, but I don't know. I don't know. I, you, you guys are probably right, and I'm just projecting. No, I mean, again, I I don't think your interpretation is so wrong that it like that 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 it's unreasonable to think that. It certainly crossed my mind when watching it, especially because of his familiarity with the fact that she's a sex worker. But uh, I will say that tonal shift at the end, where you know we see Jesse, he's getting his ass completely destroyed by these guys. Riza comes in, beats the hell out of them, saving him. And then when he realizes that Jesse and Carla are, you know, they're having a relationship and that she plans on staying uh, with him, with, with Jesse, that he gets like really upset about it, tries to pull her into his car. Jesse thinks about leaving and then he, he confronts Riza by smacking a stick over his head, which is an introduction to him trying to have a conversation with him, which then <laughs> somehow ends up in gunplay uh, in a very kind of bizarre thing that happens at the end it's just tonal the tonal shifts for me in other movie and in, in sorry in another movie it might not work but in this particular one i just kind of liked how jesse tried to talk to him even if it was on a very base level about it's like i understand why this would make you upset but i love her and this is something that means so much to me you know instead of just trying to be very aggro about it maybe i'm just in my own feelings liam what do you think I do think that's a better choice than him than trying to fight the man. Although I don't know that it was his decision to talk. I don't. I'm not totally convinced it was a compassionate decision. I think it was a realization that he couldn't possibly fight this man. <laughs> <laughs> this man who just beat up three other large men who were yeah. beating him up. Yeah, <laughs> and that he's yeah he's already still feeling the effects of that massive beating that he has just experienced. Um, <laughs> am I am I way off, Julie? What did you think of? Uh, of, of that kind of confrontation at the end of the movie. No, I don't think you're off at all. And I do think to Liam's point about uh, Riz's character probably also being her pimp is that when he first started fighting those guys off of Jesse, I assumed it was this guy is going to be paying our bills. So I protect him as a right. customer. Right. So yeah, I, I actually do agree that he's probably both boyfriend and <laughs> benefiting financially from uh, I guess fair enough. <laughs> Because otherwise, who looks at your girlfriend with another guy at that hour of the night and thinks, that must be her best friend from back in high school? That's that's an uncommon thought to have, I think, at that well, hour Well, I think the, the idea might or, have been that he thought that she was working and that she is, like, even if it's just the person she's with is under some sort of threat. I mean, she's being held, too. She has her yeah. mouth covered by one of these goons that he's just going to go out and beat the shit out of him for that reason. Okay, fair, fair. Hey, I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm inferring from what I saw. But why not just grab her and let them do what they want to do with Jesse? I don't know. <laughs> Perfectly reasonable question to ask. I mean, let let's be clear though. It was still cool. As much as I'm I I, I am concerned about the decision uh, both on the film's part and on Riz's part in taking the role for him to be this person. On the other hand, scene was pretty cool. He really beat the crap out of those those dudes, and I, mm-hmm. I wanted them to get beat up, so that part was great. Yeah, agreed. And one of those dudes was Biff Whiff, as I mentioned earlier. Also known as the man in the 38 special t-shirt. <laughs> An excellent credit here in this film. Uh, so it ends with Riza pulling a gun on Jesse, uh, and then... He gets shot. And when I say he, I don't mean Jesse. I mean, Riza gets shot by the cop that Jesse had had a conversation with in his motel room earlier, who just happened to be, I guess, wandering by the only cop in this entire city, shoots Riza in the shoulder. So he's not going to die. And then somehow 
like instead of Jesse having to get in like in any sort of trouble. In fact, I like the idea that as soon as Rizzo gets shot, Jesse's to the cop. He's like, no, 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 don't do that. When like it did kind of seem like Rizzo was going to shoot Jesse. So I can see why the cop may. Anyway, I don't want to get into the 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 mix of all that. And then the movie ends with everybody happy, having a pool party. Even the cop gets in on it. Liam, what did you think of the ending of this movie? Oh my god! <laughs> I I I was I think the end was where my general feeling of like man I just am not loving this. It's it, and 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 there wasn't anything like there was no as as I said before, but I want to reiterate there was no technical issues. It wasn't like oh this looks like shit or this script is so stupid. But I just wasn't enjoying myself. And then the ending, I was like, okay, this this is just not a movie for me. This is dumb. I don't know why we're here. <laughs> this is I, I just can't. And and again, not because they're not getting some sort of comeuppance per se. Um, I'm I'm glad that that you know just because they live on the edge that nothing bad has happened to them. Though again, drunk driving might be a bridge too far for that, but let's ignore that for now. I'm glad there isn't some sort of moral hammer coming down, but I don't need a pool party. You know, I, I don't know that the cop <laughs> coming to the pool party is how I wanted this to wrap itself up. I and do think in with all of his uniform and everything. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I do think that the movie is trying to, and this is something that's kind of in the song as well. It's about like these small pleasures, right? Like they're still probably fucked. Their future is still probably garbage. All the things that they're concerned about are probably still going to come to pass. But in that moment, at least they can find some sort of solace and happiness in just those moments. And I think that that's something that it might go a little far with them dancing with the ho- the motel employee and all that sort of <laughs> shit. But it it I I wasn't upset that the movie has a somewhat happy ending to it considering how dour everything before it was. So I think it 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 was almost a little too much for me, but I was okay with it. How about yourself, Julie? I mean, it was cheesy. It definitely had uh, the end of Empire Records vibes. Where they're all <laughs> dancing on the roof. Um, I wasn't mad at it, but I don't know that that's how I would have chosen to end it. <laughs> and and the whole movie, this is one of those movies where I spent the whole time going, when is this? Because I think... Oh, yeah. It's like one of those uh, alternate universe movies because no one used a cell phone. That's right. The cars were all whatever. They were all smoking inside, but cigarettes were $7 a pack. So it was just like, when is this? How can they just yeah. jump in the pool with their pants on? Where are their phones? Yeah, that's right. It did kind of feel out of time. That's a really good point. One other thing I didn't mention as well is that this movie starts with a scene from the end and then it all flashes back. And I have to say, I hate that structure in movies where you're just waiting for it to catch up to the thing that you know is going to happen. I know it's supposed to give you a sense of tension, but all it did for me was just telegraph that nothing's going to really matter until Dermot Mulroney ends up uh, catching up with Jesse at the very end. So I guess I do have some complaints after all. But when it comes to Hard Luck Love Song, the complaints don't matter. What matters is the actor, Eric Roberts, who plays the character of Skip in this. I have to mention that uh, when we I was an hour into watching this and Eric Roberts had yet to show up, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> this might be one of those movies that have Eric uh, in a single scene and with only a single line. Well, I was half right. He really only is in about a 10-minute sequence of the movie, but he does get a pretty darn good monologue he gets a good interaction with jesse he's basically this kind of i don't know if he's a bar fly he's someone who is a regular at this bar and he's sort of the 
protector of Carla, though there might be kind of creepy implications in terms of his feelings towards her. And he basically interviews Jesse to make sure that he's not some sort of creep. And they seem to have some sort of understanding at the end. Uh, I'm going to start with you on this one, Liam. What did you think of Eric Roberts in Hard Luck Love Song? Well, what I liked about the performance in this movie, what, what was the year was this movie again? 2017? Uh, 2020. 2020. Wow. I, they must have filmed this a while ago because this is a... Um, this feels like a much more rugged Eric Roberts than we've gotten in recent things, mm. uh, and and I and I liked that aspect of it. Um, I like how also Eric Roberts can sometimes feel at this age, not when he was younger, very kind of um, soft, you know. And so in in this film, he is he's a bit more like you know i've lived a hard life and it's it sure. is funny to see that character from him when in reality he's such like a touchy feely emotional yeah. Yeah, yeah, hollywood yeah. pothead hippie adjacent <laughs> kind of guy that it's like fun to see him as this like yeah tough guy i've really lived a life i i liked that i like that aspect of it you know i do think there's a weird um there's there is a weird sort of underlying maybe misogynist thing around like the old man who can say stuff about the younger women because they don't take him seriously. Yeah, don't I don't love that um, vibe. But otherwise, I thought the character was cool. You know, partly because I don't think it, I, I think it's been a while since we've seen him in a role like this, and sure. I like having this as as a as a way as one of the things that we know that he can do. Seeing him do it this late in the game um, because I feel like in some of the things we've seen recently he seems to have uh, aged a bit since this performance I'm wondering if this was filmed longer ago than when it came out because he, he seems a little younger to me in this than in some other things we've seen recently yeah, I, I have to agree uh, it, it, maybe it's just the context that we have he does seem a little younger in this. You know, it's interesting as well. We covered The Righteous Gemstones just a few episodes ago, and Dermot Mulroney's in that as well, right? And there's sort of a, there's a similar, not the character isn't similar, but Eric Roberts is engaged in this movie in a similar way, in the sense that he's obviously, you know, trying to give a strong performance here. I know that's a weird thing to say, but if you listen to this podcast, you know what we're talking about. He's doing really well here, and he seems like he has a real handle on this character, but you're right, there is... A physicality to it, and uh, compared to the frailness that we've seen in some recent performances, maybe it was filmed a while ago, or maybe he's just bounced back a little bit in recent years. Hard to say. I guess we'll know in some other movies uh, coming up whether that's the case or not. Julie, with the understanding that you don't have as much familiarity with certainly recent Eric Roberts performances as Liam and I, what did you think of his performance in this film? I thought he did a good job. I thought he played that character very believably since i i mean as a woman who's worked in bars that's a very real character that exists yeah. in almost every bar and i think he nailed that sort of he yeah he's a creep but also he would protect her and he he nails that yeah. vibe yeah. perfectly um his hair looked amazing i think yeah that man has great hair mm -hmm. so and it, it's really at its peak i think in this it looks <laughs> it looks really great <laughs> I, I'm only laughing because Eric Roberts' hair gets brought up a surprisingly large amount of times on this podcast. He's <laughs> and very it was. lucky. It's very yeah. thick and glorious hair. Thick and glorious is how I would describe it. I like that. I like your description. And you're right. It is a very real character in the sense that these kind of lovable creeps are in a lot of bars yeah. like where everyone knows it. And even like the behavior is the kind of thing where it's, 
only kind of semi-acceptable in the context of that bar where as mm-hmm. soon as you go outside of it, you're like, oh, this guy's a creep. I don't want to spend any time with him. But there is something right. a little recognizable and maybe even lovable is too strong of a word, but certainly, you know, respectable about it. I guess it is kind of strange to think of. But I I, I think that he does bring a reality to it that I was happily and pleasingly surprised by Liam. But that does bring me to the question, the very point of this podcast, which is, is Eric Roberts the fucking man in 2020's Hard Luck Love Song? Sticking with you, Julie, what do you think? Is he the fucking man or no? Yeah, he's the fucking man. That head of hair alone should make him the fucking man, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I love to hear it. Liam O'Donnell, you did not much care for Hard Luck Love Song, but what did you think of Eric Roberts? Is he the fucking man in this movie? I got to say, yeah, um, and, and, and really... Uh, sort of compliment him for being very present and and making a small role memorable for for who he is as an actor. I'm going to agree and say that yes, Eric Roberts is of course the fucking man in 2020's Hard Luck Love Song. I honestly I I was pleasantly surprised by this movie in a lot of different ways. I think it's worth maybe not going out of your way to see, but if any of what we talked about sounds interesting or if any of these performers are people that you are a fan of, I think it's worth uh, checking out and if you do check it out, why don't you let us know what you thought of it and what you thought of Eric Roberts? within it but for right now i need to thank our guest today uh julie we've been meaning to ha- have you on uh we were so happy that you agreed and that you were willing to choose actually i'm so happy that you chose this movie in particular because the other movies that i suggested that you might want to choose would be much worse than this i guarantee you uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule uh where can people find you on the internet well thank you for having me i was really excited to be asked um you can find my podcast, The Carnage Report, on Twitter and Instagram at Report Carnage, and on the Cinepunks Network, of course. Um, I am on the internet as Dark Humor Girl on Twitter and Instagram, and I write for Modern Horrors web, uh, modernhorrors.com and downrightcreepy.com. You know, we didn't. It's kind of funny. We didn't really talk about horror movies at all on this podcast. I know. What's a horror movie that we should all be checking out? Uh, just going to put you on the spot. Three horror movies that everyone who's listening to this should watch right now. Oh. Gosh, well, bodies, bodies, bodies was really pretty good. Sure, um, that's in theaters right now. Mm-hmm. I was surprised, and this isn't for everyone, but I was surprised by Orphan First Kill. I sure. thought it was way more fun than it had any right to be. I've heard nothing but good things from our my circle of people who would like that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, is it a good movie? No. Will you have fun? Yes. <laughs> um, let's see a third one. Doesn't uh, have to I... be recent necessarily. Okay. Um, then I'm going to go with, this is a couple years old, After Midnight, which mm. is, it's sort of, it's a Jeremy Gardner uh, movie, and it's sort of, most of the movie is just a romantic drama, much like this movie. But then there's also maybe a monster. <laughs> I loved it. It's one of my favorites. Well, of course, link uh, all of your socials in the show notes for today's episode. Liam O'Donnell. Uh, we know that you're always up to something out there. Where can people find your work online? Well, obviously, they can go to cinepunks.com to catch uh, a variety of podcasts that I'm on, as well as, of course, The Carnage Report, uh, Twitch of the Death Nerve, and, you know, the latest episodes of this very podcast. Or they can head to our website, Doug, uh, com to hit up the archive, uh, the variety of topics we cover, uh, actors, directors, um, uh, festivals. There's a lot of stuff there. It is actually confusing how many different shows that we do. So uh, I invite people to... 
to to dive in uh, uh, over there on Be our confused. Site. That's yeah, what we're please telling do. the people. Please do. Um, it's not that fucking confusing. It's just a bunch of themed podcasts. It's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> uh, of course, Cinepunks is on social media. Uh, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, and we're over on Twitter, Doug, Cinema Smorgasbord. Uh, but we're at Cinema Smorg, S-M-O-R-G. You can, of course, follow Liam on Twitter at Liam Rules. That's R-U-L-Z. I'm on there as well at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. Uh, if you are enjoying what you're listening to, why don't you leave us a review on your podcast provider of choice? Or why don't you tell a friend? Every little bit helps. Liam, what's the upcoming t- t-shirts on Rough Club? Uh, uh, sorry, Rough Cut Fan Club? I'm not telling you that. Everything tell us the upcoming ones. No. How long is the Mario Baba ones being uh, sold? They're done. They're done now, actually. Uh, really? I'm on the site right now. It doesn't seem like they're done. Oh, like no. I, I that means I have not remembered to take them down. <laughs> <laughs> well, by the time this episode airs, Doug, they will be down. Well, Liam and Julie, that's all there is to say about Eric Roberts for this episode. We'll be back very soon with another Eric Roberts classic. Good night, everyone. Night, night. Don't cry You can rely on me, honey You can combine anything you want I'll be around You write about the stars Each one is a setting sun Tall buildings shake, voices escape, singing sad, sad songs. Tilted chords strung down 